Welcome to Big Tobacco Mess with the Wrong Moms, a podcast done by Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes, or PAVE. I'm Meredith Berkman. I'm Dorian Furman, and we're the Wrong Moms. And we're really so thrilled to have with us today a remarkable mom, Paula Costello of Delaware, who reached out to us after hearing Donna's story from Maryland on our podcast. And I'll never forget the email that that we received. Um, I think it was late one night I saw it. And Paula said that she had lost her son to vaping and she wanted to talk. And that conversation started some months ago and it continues and it will continue on. What I think one of the things that we admire so much, Paula, is that you told us you don't want to feel like a victim. You want to be able to use your tragedy to empower others and to have people understand the severity and the terrible consequences of the youth vaping epidemic. And so thank you so much for uh, trusting us with your story today. Thanks, Meredith. I remember very specifically, I was sitting on my couch and one of my kids was next to me and I went on to your Facebook. And then I listened to your son's funeral because it was, it would have been just September of 2020. And I watched the funeral and my daughter said to me, mommy, why are you crying? And I said, well, I am very, very sad story, but I wanted to hear it. So I want you to tell your story and tell us about your son. Tell us about your family and tell us what happened. And then we'll, we'll go from there. I have four children. And I have a daughter and then a son, and then I had twin boys. And my, one of my twins, his name is Walter. He, um, he passed away um, five days before he turned 20. So he was still 19. And his, his whole death was very preventable. He, he, um, sadly, he got involved with vaping when he was a sophomore in high school. He would still be alive today, I believe, if he had never started that. So he was always very athletic. He played sports his whole life. Um, He concentrated mostly on lacrosse uh, by the time he was in high school. And like I said, his sophomore year when he was 16 is when he was introduced to Juul and started vaping. He really had no idea how bad it was and how addictive it was. And when I first found out um, that he was doing that, I found some stuff in his room that I didn't know what it was. Uh, So I confronted him about it. And he was very dismissive about the importance of it. I started asking other moms and doing some research, and I I read all about how bad it was and how it was taking over the youth population at a rapid rate. I would show Walter articles about this and how no one knew what the long-term effects were. And um, he would just laugh and say, mom, this is totally safe. Everyone does it. It is no big deal. And it is not addictive at all. He would, he would say, it's not smoking, you know. Like, it's totally safe. That's That was his line. Um, 
anyway, little did he know that he was completely wrong. So, you know, by the time he, um, he was about to start his sophomore year in college, um, that's when everything caught up to him. And what happened was his cause of death was technically ruled asthma. However, this his asthma attack was brought on by his excessive vaping use and his addiction to it. So since there's no cause of death listed as overdose due to vaping addiction, um, that's really what it was, even though on his death certificate it says asthma attack. Um, he, he's had asthma since he was two years old. It's, it's a very manageable disease. He, it was well managed. Um, he never had issues. He was always involved in sports, never had an issue with the asthma until he was in high school. And the three years leading up to his death, he ended up in the hospital about four times because of these asthma attacks. Um, I didn't realize it until it was too late that these asthma attacks were related to the, the vaping. Um, he also tried to quit several times. He would, I believe he did stop for just short periods and then he would always somehow make his way back um, and he would binge and it was just awful. But anyway, the last time he was rushed to the hospital was in May last year. Um, his dad had to perform CPR on him before the EMTs arrived. They brought him back to life. It was very scary. And you would think that, you know, Walter would realize then how highly addicted to nicotine he was at this point. Um, but again, like I said, he would stop and then he would always somehow come back to it. And I think, especially with COVID, since he was pretty much stuck at home, he came home from college and was was stuck at home and there was nothing to do and he would just do this because he was bored. Um, you know, he never would admit that he was addicted to it, but he he was. What was it that when you confronted him, which it sounds like you did many times, what was the Yeah, point? and I would take it away and throw it out. Um, he just made it, the reason why he was doing it, I think is because everyone else was, even though that's a horrible excuse, but he, Honestly, what whatever stuff he was reading or hearing, it was that this is completely safe and it's not bad for you at all. It's nothing like smoking. It's not bad for your lungs and blah, blah, blah. It's It was just all false information and I don't know where he was getting it from, but um, that's not what I was reading. And I would show him articles of how it could turn your lungs into an 80 year old man when you're 15. Um, and he would just laugh and be like, that, that doesn't apply to me. I'm a healthy athlete, you know, but he just, he really did not think that this vaping use was bad for him or that it would cause his death, which I firmly believe is the reason why he's not here today. Did you see so, any other, um, changes in his behavior as he started to get more into it? Um, yeah, he became kind of aggressive and he be, he became um there were some instances where he would get in fights with his brother or his dad over the use of this he 
because I think he, it was like he had to have it. Like he was on this, I don't think he could live without it. I mean, that's how bad it was. And I wish that I would have known if there was some kind of, you know, program that we could have gotten in, into to get unaddicted. But I, I don't know of anything. I don't know if there's something out there, but there's not, there should be. Um, so yeah, he got aggressive. He was just not pleasant to be around. Right. So. I remember you told us once the story um, because his twin was also using it, right? But they, he was not mm -hmm. as addicted and that there was, I remember a story, it stayed with me about, you know, his asking his brother. And I remember you saying that he was just, you know, like broke down a door or something where he was very violent because he needed right. it. And if you don't mind sharing that, I think it, I think it speaks to the issue of the, the severity of the addiction. Right. So he, I, I don't know if I mentioned earlier, he started, I think when he was 16, right around there. And he, um, the first flavors he would vape were the mango and the mint. I think those were his preference his whole life. But then I think the last year, I don't think he was able to get mango anymore because I think that was pulled or something. I don't know. But he he still found ways or that's what he was mainly vaping, like a minty menthol thing or a fruity flavor. Um, that was his, that's what got him addicted. And then the door story, what you're talking about, Meredith, is that actually happened a couple of days before he died. Um, he was, uh, he had, that day he had bought a bunch of pods and he, he would go through them really quickly. I think maybe he felt good or something, got a little buzz for a little bit, but then he wanted more. So that particular day he had, he had vaped all his pods he just got and then he wanted to go in his brother's room and get his. So apparently they were living with their dad um, through all the last couple of years. And um, they had separate bedrooms and he, William, his twin brother had the door locked and Walter literally broke the door down to get inside to get the pots. And that created a huge, you know, fight because then the door was broken and there was all that to deal with. And it was, it was all because he wanted the vaping pots, which is not funny. It's a, it's a horrible, um, that's, I'm just trying to tell you how addicted he was. It, it became, he became like a different person. I mean, he, the last couple of years of his life, he was, I think he was not like how, you know, his, the sweet little boy he was when he was growing up. Right. Well, you know, we've heard that um, I, countless times, the, the, the behavioral changes, um, the desperation, mm -hmm. the severe nicotine addiction, and, you know, these devices, there's no start and no finish. As you said, you can just sit down and vape it in one, in one sitting as opposed to a cigarette. You put it out, you start it, you put it out. Um, right. And, you know, it's um, there. You mentioned the cessation there. 
there is no approved cessation protocol for the moment. Different pediatricians will use different methods depending on the child. Um, but I wanted to go back to his asthma for a moment because he did have a few scares, correct? He yeah. did end up in he the did. hospital several times before that because of the vaping. Did the doctors say anything? Did they warn him to stop vaping? He would, he would never admit to it. Um, the time, the couple times before, um, the last time in May when he would end up there, um, he would be, be there for like three days, three to four days because they had to get his asthma under control. And then, you know, I would always say, what were you doing? Like, was this caused by vaping? And he would deny, deny, deny. He did not, he wouldn't admit it. There was no way for them to tell. But I could also tell, like, he wanted to get out of the hospital because he wanted to go back and vape some more. I mean, that, you know, I, like, it was very hideable. He, I didn't know, I couldn't see him doing it. And I wasn't with him 24-7, so it's a hard thing to detect like mm -hmm. exactly how much the kids are doing just because the way it, it is made, it's, it's so easy to hide. And I think parents, a lot of parents are just have no idea um, what the kids are doing. I think some people have more addictive personalities than others. So I, I believe that, you know, he was severely addicted to this and it might not affect all kids in the same way, but I think it affects a lot of people. Well, I think you're, you know, that's a very valid point. Um, but any kid at that age has a developing brain, you know, their brain is developing, right. their brain is growing. And to introduce any drug of any sort into your brain at 15, 16 years old, you know, it's going to create pathways for addiction and it will change the brain uh, permanently. So, you know, whether some kids have more addictive personalities or not, no kid should be introducing such high levels of nicotine, you know, into their brain at that age or at any age, really. And yes. their lungs are developing right. too. I mean, that's the issue. And there is research that Shortly after you reached out to us, there was a, a report I think I shared with you that came out of the University of Hawaii about the link between e-cigarettes and asthma. Um, you know, it's that is there's research that shows. I mean, there's a link, and their their lungs are developing. I wanted to ask you, his brother, mm -hmm. as you know, you said some people have, uh, um, you know, could have a, a different brain chemistry than another. His brother was using. Would you say that his brother was also addicted? Uh, I think, I believe so, yes. You know, I'm not a doctor or anything, so I don't know the exact addict addictiveness, but he wasn't as intense about it, I feel like, that Walter was. Mm -hmm. He said that he tried to quit a few times, and sometimes we hear, you know, that... Well, that's what he would tell me. Do you think he wanted to stop? Yeah. I mean, I would ask him point blank. He did want to stop. He really did. I would ask him several times, are you still vaping? And he would say, no, I quit. But I know he was lying because I, I could look at his bank account and see where he what he was buying. 
he was going to the, you know, the smoke shop and the vaping store. And so I knew he was lying, but, um, you know, so I don't know if he ever really was able to quit and for how long the period of time was that he did, but I know he wanted to. But academically, did you see a change in how he felt about school or how he did in school or how he felt about anything else? Yes. Oh, definitely. Um, after freshman year, things definitely went downhill. Uh, so that's why I'm thinking that's when he started all this. You know, he went from being a good student through eighth grade, ninth grade. was a little struggle, not too bad. I mean, he was definitely like B student. And then by the time sophomore year hit, through the end, it was like, it was a constant struggle. It was questionable, you know, whether he was going to go to college um, because of his grades. So I'm sure that's all directly related to the starting of the vaping as well. We also wanted to ask you, you know, nicotine is called a gateway drug um, because mm -hmm. it very often, as Doreen said, you know, it it, um, it reworks the pathways in the brain, in the developing brain. And so, so many um, kids go on to uh, other substances. Was that something that you saw with Walter as well? Yes. Um, you know, it started with the vaping and then it progressed onto weed marijuana, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, he got involved in that, which is another thing I was severely against. Um, you know, it was just a decline and that the vaping is what started it all in my mind. So and we hear this all the time. I it may be in your mm -hmm. mind, but it, this is what happens. Nicotine is a gateway drug. And so many right. kids start with nicotine and move on to other things. And abuse nicotine. I mean, it's, you know, the way um, at such a young age and the way he was using it, it's, it's so highly toxic. Um, mm -hmm. And to use it in, in that way, you know, we hear stories, you know, of seizures of, you know, we have a family who's awaiting a, a lung transplant, you know, because the nicotine levels are so high and they're so toxic. Right. You know, but no one, but no one knows. And people still don't know to your point, you know, a lot of parents back then really weren't aware. I found out the same way you did. I, I found the device and I Googled, I actually saw the Jules name on the side of the device and I Googled it, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then reached out to, friends as you did and said, Hey, what's, you know, what's this thing that our kids are doing, but it's, you know, parents today have to be aware of, of the dangers of these products and the fact that, you know, there is a, a lot of outcry now, but there are new products and new devices popping up, you know, every day. Mm -hmm. So is, is there anything you would say to parents, you know, or, that, that you would advise parents of kids to do? Well, if they have any say over what their kids do, don't let them ever start this. It's just a downward spiral. I just think parents need to be aware that this is out there and if they can mm -hmm. 
somehow stop their kids from ever trying it, then that would be a successful. I guess I, I would want to know, why did you reach out to us? What made you reach out? So, I, because I, about a month after he passed away, I found you guys and I thought, you know what, if I can somehow change someone's life for the better so that so that they don't try this or save someone then then all this will be for something i just don't want anyone to to end up like the, like walter did and i believe that his life was cut short and it was preventable and it didn't he didn't have to die So if I could help anybody, that's why that's why I reached out to you guys and and thought they could use me in any way to get the word out that that vaping is horrible and then please do. Thank you. Thank I you. I mean, you know, we we feel for you and we, we can't obviously we can't imagine your loss. Um, but we are grateful to you for for speaking out and for taking, you know, taking your power back and, and warning parents. The more stories we get out there, the better. The more parents understand that how how dangerous this is, you know, hopefully we can prevent an entire generation from becoming addicted to these products and, and suffering the health harms that come along with that. We're all in this together. We're going to fight this together. And thank you so much. I'm so glad you reached out to us. And as Dorian said, you're taking back the power and using your power. Right. And I think that's remarkable. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth, the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, the Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit, combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.